Thanks for tuning in to the Empire Boxing Podcast. A huge thank you to our partners at Sting Boxing. It doesn't matter if you're into boxing for fitness, as an amateur, or as a pro, Sting has something for you. Head to their website, stingsports.ca, and use the code EMPIRE10 at the checkout to receive 10% off. An Empire Boxing and Unlearning Network production. Welcome back to another episode of the Empire Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jay, and we have a special co-host today, Mr. Daniel Norman. What's up? What's up? Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> Leader of the Empire Boxing Breakdown. You may have seen it on our social reels. And we have a very special guest in the house tonight. We have Manny Sabral, former Canadian and IBO champion in the super welterweight division. And Manny represented Canada in the 1988 Summer Olympics in Seoul, Korea. And now Manny is a coach to many amateur and pro fighters that are based out of BC. So passing the torch. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Manny. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's really great to be here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean this is a special you, trifecta today yeah. that we have. This is good. Uh, <laughs> Manny, I want to bring it right to you right off the yeah, gate. Yeah. Tell me about your boxing origin story. How did it all start for you? It was really by accident because, um, you know, I was grew up in the east end of Vancouver and by Nanaimo and Hastings. And, uh, you know, grade seven to grade eight is a big change for kids, right? So I was a chubby kid and I had a nickname as I was running across the field. And, it, you know, like this, the lingo of Batman, well, kids used to go, da 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 fat man. Oh, that yeah. was me, right? Oh, so I was a chubby kid, ruthless, ruthless uh, 12 year olds, 11 year olds. And so, you know, I I looked on Google. Well, the yellow pages of the day was Google of today. Mm -hmm. So I right. looked at the yellow pages and looked for gyms. And the closest gym to my place was a place called the Inner City Gym, which was on Maine and Hastings, which uh, was kind of a rough area, but it was summertime. So my parents actually let me go down there. So I took the Hastings bus to get to Hastings in Maine, went and knocked on the door and it was early in the morning, about 11.30 in the morning, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I just was going to lift weights, look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I thought, right? Of course. So, yeah, like and, in a matter of yeah, weeks, yeah. really. Over the summer. Yeah, of course. It was going to change. <laughs> a couple because, months. Yeah, I was going to be a different kid for grade eight, right? Because yeah. I wanted to really, you know, going to high school, you're kind of, you know, you're wondering, oh, what's it going to be like and everything mm -hmm. else, right? So sure. I was no different than any other kid, and I was a chubby kid. And, you know, around that time, too, you're – balances the balance of your different hormones going through your body changes so you know you start getting some people get attracted to the same sex some people get attracted to the opposite sex i was one of the people that got attracted to the opposite sex so right. you know i was so interested in that 12 year old babes yeah exactly and i mean I used to go to this pool called the, what was it called? New Brighton Pool. And I used to, right. the chicks were hot, man. Right. And I'm going, oh my God, right? <laughs> yeah. So I got to work out. I got to work out hard. So I got to get to this gym, right? So I had to go into the gym, but the gym wasn't open. At 11.30 in the morning, it didn't open until 12. But I saw this older gentleman sweeping up the floor and he looked up and then, you know, I kept knocking on the door and then he'd shake his head and keep sweeping and I'd knock on the door some more. Not today, kid. Yeah. yeah. So, but he eventually came out. His name ended up being Steve Valenchek. He was an older gentleman and he opens the door and goes, what do you want? And I yeah. jump back 20 feet and I go, oh, I don't know. I, I want the babes work. at the brain pool, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Well, that's ultimately <laughs> what I wanted, but I went, no, I want to work out. Well, what are you going to do to work out? I'm going, I'm going to lift some weights and ride the bike. No, you're not. You're going to box. <laughs> so he'd hold the pads for me, like at 1130, 11 o'clock in the morning. So, and, so wait, this guy drops the broom yeah. and just gets the pads on, and then here we go. Well, are. he said, kid, you want wow. to do it? You better do it, sort mm -hmm. of thing. And, you know, 
he he told me stories that he'd sparred with Rocky Marciano and he Were these uh, stories true? Did eventually mm, did we It's hard to say whether they were or not. I know that he did box. Like he had yeah. like there wasn't box record or anything you can check up on and, and this was nineteen eighty one, so there's no internet, so I couldn't check up on it. But people right. around the gym did say, Yeah, yeah, Steve was a tough kid, he was a tough man and this and that. Mm-hmm. And probably had some fights, who knows? And there was a story that Rocky Marciano did come by through Vancouver at one time. So he may have, there's a possibility. And regardless, he knew the basics of a jab and a right hand. And Mm -hmm. I think he taught me the sort of right. And by the end of that summer, I didn't lift weights. I just, I lost about 20 pounds. So I went down from like 150 down to 130. And uh, I kept losing weight because I didn't box until I was about one. My first match was at 119 and... My parents wouldn't let me go down there at nighttime because of the shady area that it right. was. Nowhere near where it is today, but it was still, you know, a lot of alcoholism and yeah. stuff around there. And mm-hmm. At that time, were you uh, sp- sparring at all? Mm, I started sparring, like, within a month. They already yeah. had me go and spar, and there's other people, like, all all older people. Like, I was the youngest person there, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, at that time, there was a guy named Gordy Reset that was boxing, and mm-hmm. I thought, oh, Gordy. Like, I remember him coming in the gym, and he was just a monster of a man. Like, and I'm looking up to him, going, oh, my God, I want to be like that, right? Wow. <laughs> like, yeah. And, uh, but it was a good gym, too. There's uh, a lot of people that pass through there. Like, from what I heard, like, Muhammad Ali trained there when he trained in North Van at the the Eagles gym and he also trained at Did the you know inner that? city gym. Wow. No, That's I didn't crazy. know that. Yeah, what history. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. So Muhammad Ali, when he came through town, he fought George Chevallo and Chevallo yeah. trained at that inner city gym and a lot of great, great fighters. There's a guy named Lloyd Hunnigan that stopped there. I remember cause I sparred with Lloyd when I was a kid still. Uh, he came through town and also a guy named Hilario Zapata, who was a world flyweight champion. I got to spar with him. This is about two years after I started, but he mm-hmm. came through town because he was going to go fight in Japan. So he stopped in Vancouver to get over to Japan. So he stopped wow. for like a week or something. So he, mm-hmm. he was in the gym. And I, I mean, it was just phenomenal the opportunities I got. And, and I was very fortunate to have done that. But the important thing is that, you know, you sort of have to go out and research, not necessarily research it. Yeah, Google it. Yeah. Find out where to go. You want to do something? You want to be an artist? You want to be a magician? Go find out where the magicians are. Go there. Right. Mm-hmm. If you want to be an artist, go find out what the artist is. I wanted to be, I didn't necessarily want to be a boxer, yeah. but I wanted to work out. So if you yeah. want to work out, go work out. But you don't know what it's going to lead to yeah, exactly. unless you try, right? So that's what happened with me. Like n- no one in my family, none of my friends, no one ever boxed. And I just mm-hmm. started boxing. And it's kind of one of those things that gravitated to it. And I was reading every Ring magazine possible. I was reading every KO magazine possible. I was reading every magazine possible. I was reading books on boxing. I was... So instantly, you just instantly, felt like, yeah. hey, this is my thing. <clears throat> yeah, because this old man, Steve Valenchik, showed Shout an interest. Out to Steve. Yeah. So I got to know then, heading back into to high school, running yeah. across the field, did yeah. the kids change their tune? Like, were you Batman? No. Did they ever pick on you, like, physically? Mm, like, try to beat you up or anything? Well... That started early because I came to Canada when I was six years old. So I was just thrown into grade one. I came from Spain, so I didn't know a word yeah, of, a word of English. So no. I remember I used to get picked on a little bit. But for some reason, I never really, like, I just laughed it off. And I was always mm-hmm. the bigger kid. Like, I grew, like, I was, like, I was 150 pounds at grade eight. <laughs> or wow. grade, grade, sorry, grade seven. Grade right. eight, I was about 130. 
and I did get down to 120. That was my first boxing match. Um, but I was probably five seven at the time. So I was kind of one of the taller kids. And I, because of that, I was able to just push myself around mm-hmm. and never really got into trouble. And, and bullying back in, it wasn't a word back in the eighties, yeah. right? Like you get pushed around, you get pushed around. And it, it wasn't, I think the more you talk about it, the more you, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but the more you perpetuate it, the more it's going to happen or the more the people, even people that aren't getting really bullied, they're just being told what to do. Oh, I'm getting bullied. Right. (laughs) You know, but it wasn't like that then. And, um, do you think, do you think younger kids and, and growing up in that kind of era had a bit higher level resilience to like, you know, adversity in, in school and, and, you know, teachers and other classmates, do you think there was just a, a general expected level of toughness that was a little higher then? It was different too, because there wasn't, because nowadays if something happens, the whole world knows because it goes on mm-hmm. the net. For sure. And, and yeah. I would say that like cyberbullying is almost worse than physical bullying. Yeah. Sometimes. It I mean, it depends you. on the severity, yeah. obviously, no. but yeah, exactly. It can spread it so fast. It's 24 right? hours a day. You can yeah. ruin someone's life. Yeah. You can ruin yeah. their job opportunities. Brutal. You can ruin. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that's almost worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I was picked on because I didn't know the language. And I remember not even knowing how to ask to go to the washroom. And I remember I used to use sign language to the teacher. And yeah, just yeah. Pointing <laughs> out and she remember taking, I remember her taking me. She figured it out. Yeah, <laughs> She's like, oh, okay. how, how's your Spanish now? Muy bien. Hablo español. Tú hablas español también. De poquito. Necesito practicar más, pero. Wraps up. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. But I find there's more and more Spanish-speaking people in the lower mainland, so I get to practice quite a bit. So a lot of people from... All over the world, like I mean, mm-hmm. Spain is sp- spoken all over North and South mm-hmm. America, really. Yeah. yeah, I think one of the coolest things about having you on the show is that you can really speak to that sort of era of boxing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. It was the high, right? I yeah. mean, so what, like, so nowadays, you know, we're not really hearing stories about these, you know, high level pros stopping mm-hmm. through. Even Canada, like I guess maybe Ontario, probably a little bit more. But right. what do you think was a major factor that changed why Vancouver kind of stopped being the spot to hit, or let's say BC for some of these higher level pros? Well, it sort of happened in a way. Like I mean, it's been a few years, but I mean Manny Pacquiao and um, what's the guy's name? Amir Khan. Amir Khan stopped yeah. through like within the last ten years, type mm-hmm. thing, and yeah. um, so it does happen. But it definitely yeah. seems like there was like a golden era kind of at that yeah. time. Yeah, there's a lot more. I yeah, mean, you, and there was other fighters Tony too. Pat, yeah, Dale Michael Lodge. Yeah, Michael Lodge is probably, you know, like Michael Lodge going the distance with Thomas Hearns and yeah. giving him a yeah. boat. And then Aaron Barkley. Aaron Barkley. Yeah. It's such cool history, right? Yeah. So, so, so good. I mean, that was a real good gym too, the Kingsway Boxing Gym that his old man sort of ran. And there was a lot of good boxers out mm. of there. Like, Guy named Geeka Singh. Uh, there was a guy named Jamie Olenberger that was really good. Yeah. There's, um, I'm I'm forgetting a lot of names, but there's a lot of good boxers yeah. out of that. Manny, um, one thing I want to know is mm-hmm. uh, from your day when you started boxing mm-hmm. to today's gyms that you see now, like what is the big difference in training methods that you mm-hmm. notice? Well, I think. It seemed back in the day people were a bit more serious about it. Now they take it more sort of, oh yeah, like I'm just doing it because I want to just be a rock star, be a rock star or, <laughs> or get a get a get a clip on me to go yeah. to get some looks on Facebook or whatever. Whereas yeah. back then, as people like did, clout chasing, yeah, mm. 
Because mm-hmm. yeah. now, back then, people just wanted to do it because their heart was into doing it, right? Exactly. And there was a lot of real rough and tough mm-hmm. guys. Like, I mm-hmm. remember, because they had had pro fights, and, you know, these guys are just so rough and tough. Like, there was a guy named Mike Baldoon. He was, like, a middleweight. And, man, that guy was rough and tough. And, like, yeah. I, might, I seen Mike maybe five, six years ago, and he's, you know, sort of, like in a state of Geronimo Bay, I don't know if you remember Geronimo yeah, Bay, but Geronimo yeah, yeah. was a phenomenal boxer, yeah. and now he's on the downtown east. Very sad story. Yeah. Very downtown mm-hmm. side. But there was a lot of those sad stories, and it's mm-hmm. unfortunate that it came that way. But these were people that came from somewhat fractured families mm-hmm. yeah. that found boxing that gave them their family. You know? right. mm-hmm. It made them really, really rough and tough, and they didn't want to give mm-hmm. up, man, and they, they left it in the ring. That seems like a kind of a, almost like a classic tale in boxing, isn't yeah. it? It's like mm-hmm. the... The kids from the, actually, it's such a nice way of putting it, the fractured homes, the yeah. rough mm-hmm. backgrounds. Mm-hmm. What what do you think it is about boxing that attracts kids like that? Uh, it's it's a family. I mean, boxing yeah. is a real family because when you see a boxing match, it's really a microcosm of life because you mm-hmm. start off and, you know, everything's going good. All of a sudden you get caught with a shot, then everything's you got to get, you got to pick yourself up from the ground, mm-hmm. just like real life, man. Yeah. And then if you don't, you keep sinking so you got to do it you got to you mm-hmm. got to really get rough and tough and get out there same as in real life when job opportunities don't open up you don't just give up and say oh fuck i can't get a job right you mm-hmm. just yeah. you got to you got to go out there and fight for it and same sort of thing in boxing if mm-hmm. you want to get out of the second round you got to fight for it mm. yeah and then going back to dan's question about training methodologies so mm-hmm. it seems like there's a culture piece to that around boxing what about yeah. actual technical training uh modalities Mm, I would. I couldn't think of any. I mean, I. Do you think it's I know evolved at all? Boxing is one of those things that you know they're doing the same thing training in the forties that they're doing today. I think mm-hmm. there's a few differences like plyometrics and explosive training yeah. mm-hmm. and high intensity stuff that they didn't do necessarily back then. They just jogged for five miles, which doesn't. Ups, yeah, 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 yeah. Go run, come yeah, back. Exactly. If you're alive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now they can do it, intensify it and explode yes. and then recuperate yeah. and this and that. But um, what I can say is one of the, the gyms that I know this happened for three months, you go into this gym and mm-hmm. all you could use is your jab and you had yeah. to catch the right hand in front of your yeah. chin like this, which leaves you open for a left hook. But it worked. Yeah. Mm. And that was Michael Elogity Sr. That's how we tr- trained mm-hmm. all his boxers. But when you looked at Michael Elogity Jr., he had his hands like this, not like this. Yeah. Mm. So his dad trained him a little different, but he knew that this style, yeah. this worked because you catch the jab, you don't get touched with an amateur boxing. It's the amount of time mm-hmm. you get touched, right? Yeah. So mm. it made that gym really good. It was that, one of the better gyms. That was gyms. one thing that I was going to say was... Um, it seemed like back then, back then they really focused on the fundamentals yeah. and making sure that you get it right before you yeah. move on to something else. Yeah. Where today, you know, it's so popular online and everything, and people just want to come in and do the pad work and do yeah. crazy combinations right off the bat. But yeah. you don't necessarily progress as a boxer that way, you know. And a, a lot of times now, you see newer fighters not really using their jab, mm-hmm. you know, and they're just. Yeah. Doing the flashy stuff, right? I agree. I agree. And the jab's the most important thing because what it does is it measures your distance. And it's all Mm. about distance. Boxing, if you're not within distance, you can't hit your opponent. If you're too close to your opponent, it's a lot easier to get hit back. So if you got the right distance, you can pull on punches like Mm -hmm. Mayweather does. Like Mayweather's got his guy on the end of his jab all the time because he can always do the Mayweather pull. Matter of inches, really. Yeah. Millimeters. Millimeters. I love his jab to the body. I know. Because it throws his people off. throws people off. 
It's so interesting what you said, Dan. Like, I think I think that's all part of like sort of this cultural glitch that mm-hmm. we're experiencing now, where everyone wants instant gratification, yeah. clout, yeah, clout chasing, and it it really does. And I think it's it's interesting because you know, on one hand, coaches have a duty to their client or their athlete to mm-hmm. teach them the fundamentals mm-hmm. and to to help them be progressive and good at something. Mm-hmm. And then I think like the 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 sort of like uprising of fitness boxing takes boxing out of its content or co- sorry context mm-hmm. and then is like a supercharged high speed version of just trying to like look good for a video. So then mm-hmm. we miss all the fundamentals and that's a lot of the people you see super stagnant in the sport. They never progress, they never understand, they don't know how to connect their feet to their hands. There there is yeah. The movement, the biomechanics is all. And it's really hard for coaches to undo bad habits versus just mm-hmm. teaching someone right to begin mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. But what that requires is their patience and understanding and mm-hmm. what yeah. they're actually doing long term, right? Yeah. But they look great on pads and that bag. <laughs> Hopefully, eventually. <laughs> and that's yeah. the thing, you know, like, because this is a business, right? When mm-hmm. when you have a gym and, and they want to keep them coming back, right? Mm-hmm. And if they're doing a job for three months, you're probably going to lose them. They're going to get bored, right? right. So mm-hmm. that instant gratification, yeah. like you said, is a big piece to keep keeping the the, mm-hmm. the people coming back and mm-hmm. having that retention rate. Right? Yeah. But it's so simple. You look like look at a guy like Bivol. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He just used that jab and distance with Canelo and Canelo yeah. couldn't touch him. Yeah. Right. But everyone says, oh yeah, he's so much bigger and so much. But if he would have given up space to Canelo mm-hmm. and let him come in, it would have been a different fight. But Absolutely. he kept him at his range well, with his yes. jab. He and, knew he had yeah. to. The range was the yeah. only way through that. And his in and out yeah. movement really That's good. It. Yeah. But that's all distance. Yeah. Muhammad Ali's the same thing. He bounced around at his distance. And yeah. guys, he just pulled back, couldn't hit him. And so Floyd's the same way, really. Here's a mm-hmm. question for both you guys. What do you think would happen to boxing, the, the, the fitness industry, mm-hmm. if coaches were like, I don't care. You're doing footwork for three weeks, whether you like it. We're doing the job for a month. Like, take mm-hmm. it or leave it. What do you think would happen? Do you think it would just crumble? Well, the fitness part of it might because people will get bored, like Dan was saying, but mm. it depends what the person wants out of it. Mm. Right? And they yeah. got to sort of, it's a very difficult thing though, because if someone tells you, okay, you got to do this, well, how the hell, how, the, how do you know yeah. what's good for me, right? Like I've been watching videos and I see this guy doing this mm-hmm. and that, and I get so much of this, right. and why don't you yeah. do it like this? And I said, well, you can do it like that, but. I just think it might be better like this. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a little know. bit of discipline that gets mm-hmm. sort of removed from the equation too, yeah. right? Like, yeah. like the student coming in and just yeah. understanding that there's a, there's an element of right. dis- discipline. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm here to do mm-hmm. what you think is best. Yeah, mm-hmm. but no one really knows what's best because if Muhammad Ali <laughs> had not been able to do what he did, he wouldn't have been Muhammad Ali. If Muhammad Ali went and trained with Archie Moore, who was a great fighter. Mm-hmm. And they didn't get along because Archie wanted him to do it his way. Yeah. Then he went to Angelo Dundee, and Angelo Dundee understood, well, mm-hmm. why make him something he's not? Right. So, yeah. you you know, okay, your hands are down. Like I mean, someone's going to take right. your head off, right? Yeah. And I don't, you know, but the thing about it, about that is that you got to have the reflexes to be able to box like mm-hmm. that. Mm. Very few people have that. Roy Jones yeah. had that until he got older, and then yeah. Antonio Tarver caught him, and... Joe oh, Johnson, uh, Glenn Johnson, Glenn Johnson caught yeah. him. Oh, that was so, a bad one. I know Ooh. it was, but he yeah. had that been two or three years earlier. There's no way Glenn Johnson would have caught Roy mm. Jones. Yeah, but that's sure. such a fine line, right? Yeah. And 
and what happened this weekend? A guy named Liam Smith fought a guy yeah. named Eubank. Yeah, Eubank. Yeah, Eubank. Chris, yeah, that was like Chris, a big upset. But, but Chris Eubank was trying to box like Roy Jones. Yeah. And I was yeah. with a few friends. I said, he's going to get caught with the right hand. Yeah. And when he got to that corner, he couldn't yep. get back up away from it. He got caught with the right hand, mm -hmm. left uppercut, right hand, left hook, and he's out. There's yeah. only one Roy Jones, you know? There like is. And I mean, Roy is coaching in his corner yeah. and stuff. And, mm -hmm. and I had a few cut. I had some conversations before that with Russ Amber, who's on Liam's. Mm -hmm. So I had a little bit of an insight of what was going to happen too, and yeah. I kind of, I sort of knew that that they've been working on that right hand too. Yeah. So and he he came in with a high guard, you know, yeah. like so he yeah, yeah. he wasn't open, like exactly. he, he had nice tight defense, and they had the perfect game plan. Perfect, yeah, and real classic boxer, right? Yeah, like it was beautiful, yeah. beautiful to watch. His and, fight against Canelo, yeah. man, I was so I impressed. Yeah. Like I was I like, know. wow, this guy's yeah. really good. Yeah. He's, there's a lot of good fighters out there. There's yeah. just, there's fine lines that make great guys and guys mm -hmm. are good, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very, those, very those like more like brash sort of bravado, flashy styles are, are really attractive to people, yeah. but yeah. you're right. Far and few between. There's mm -hmm. an element of like, yeah. do you really have what it takes to fight successfully in this style? Is Ryan Garcia going to get caught by Tank Davis? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm leaning on yes. Yeah. I'm leaning on yes with I that. I think so too. So Manny, when you go to coach like a beginner, like you've mm. got a, a fresh amateur, let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's say someone yeah. who is interested in, they think at that time going right. the distance in Somewhere. boxing, what are some of the first fundamentals you teach them about? Like what style, the defensive things, what are, how, what's your checklist with a new person? Just the jab, learning the jab and the distance. I get them to, yeah. you know, throw their arm out on a bag and then circle the bag with their arm out, right? So they know the distance between themselves and the bag. So mm -hmm. it's the circumference around mm -hmm. the circle that they shouldn't get in that circle mm -hmm. unless they're ready to go or unless they got their guard up or That's something. That's a good drill. I like that. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, so once they got that distance, then they can work with it, right? And everything mm -hmm. goes from that distance because they know if they reach there, all they have to do is just pull a little bit and they're away from yeah. it because their mm -hmm. opponent can't have that bigger bar reach than they got. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and to try to understand that that's how you win matches and then get them to change the pace, I think is very important too. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, do two or three jabs, bah, boom, right. and then go back to the jab. And then mm -hmm. you got your distance and cover up and move. And as long yeah. as you can move and parry punches out of the way, mm -hmm. sort of like the Michael Lodge senior, I don't have them hold their hand in front of their face, mm -hmm. but you know. I noticed Tony kind of did that too. Tony Pep does yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Tony had to do the Michael Lodgety Sr. Yeah. boxing for three months before he even got to do anything oh, else. Wow. And that's why he had that style, right? And he still does. And Tony's yeah. amazing at pulling and oh, coming man. back with a right mm -hmm. hand. Because yeah, I got caught with a few of those and he <laughs> can punch. So like sharp. for a 126-pounder, that guy. Oh, he it's can like hit. a freight train. He has a good left hook to the body too. I, oh, I know, him a liver. Of liver yeah. shots, you know. Yeah. He's fought some of the best. I, yeah. Tony's... No slouch, you know. Yeah. I mean, he's got his own issues, as, as everybody does, but mm -hmm. uh, the guy understands and knows boxing, that guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because he's been everywhere. He was at our last event. So yeah. It was really nice to see yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, mm -hmm. I remember seeing him there. Yeah, yeah, it was great to see him. Good guy. How much emphasis do you put on footwork, and what styles of footwork do you utilize for a beginner? In terms of footwork, I like footwork that's wide, wider stance because then you can move your waist more. Whereas if you have a narrow stance, you barely be able to move your waist and your waist is get you out of a lot of situations. It allows you to mm -hmm. slip punches. It allows you to pull punches. It allows you to cushion shots. And so a bit wider than shoulder width. And of course, don't want to be in a straight line because when you tip over, you yeah. know, it would be in like a triangle sort of shape. And uh, yeah, as long as you don't cross your feet, try to 
drill that. Mm-hmm. I always do, you know, shuffle forward, shuffle back, shuffle to the right, shuffle mm-hmm. to the left, and a lot of shuffling and never want to land with your heels because then I get them to walk around on their heels. Well, it's pretty hard to walk <laughs> on your heels, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why would you do that in boxing? Why <laughs> yeah. would you land? Why would you step over and land on your heel? Because for that split second, you're yeah. stuck. Um, but you watch boxing, you see the guys do it all the time, but that's when they're out of range. But yeah. When they're in range and in the pocket, mm-hmm. they're sharper, right? Mm-hmm. So I also try to make people understand that there's times where you got to be on form and ready to go and there's other times where you can do whatever you want be relaxed when when you're out of range it's almost like there's like a syllabus and Mm. and then you watch like pro boxing Mm. and it's like the cheat code of the syllabus right Mm -hmm. and it's people that once you've developed your skills to like such a high level you realize what what you can Can wiggle with and what you can't right but i think that that original syllabus is super important to kind of give people context behind everything what's your go-to when you're coaching um the job uh footwork balance you know those are like key things that i try to drill in mm-hmm. and make sure that they really get the footwork down like the movement forward side to side lateral movement um because without balance you you just start falling all over the place mm-hmm. right even when you're blocking punches right mm-hmm. and um yeah like manny said you know like not fighting on the tightrope where you're yeah you have such a narrow stance right yeah absolutely and uh yeah just keeping the chin down you know head slightly off center that mm-hmm. kind of stuff mm-hmm. so just teaching them the the basic concepts so that um, it's like a checklist ingrained mm. in their head, you know, like, and they don't forget it. Yeah. One of the main things I talk about getting offline is that you don't want to be in the, you don't want your head in the same spot from where you punch because yeah. your opponent's going to punch back where the punch came from. So mm-hmm. if you're always there, if it's yeah. always on that line, yeah. you're going to get hit. Like the guy go hit you with their eyes closed. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you punch and either move your feet or move your waist, yeah. mm-hmm. then you're out of the way. Yeah. yeah. One of the, I remember, I think, uh, going to one of your classes at DCS mm-hmm. a couple of times and it, you said words that were really, um, important for me, like, and, and how I coach as well. I talk once, once we've gotten through like the footwork and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. the basics, I talk a lot about weight transfer mm-hmm. and I remember you going through those concepts and principles with your, it was like a beginner's class or mm-hmm. something. And I was just hearing someone say that I was like, Oh, that's, that's the money that mm-hmm. the idea of being able to transfer your weight, yeah. use the floor underneath you to mm-hmm. generate torque and pressure in the legs that translates through the core into the arms and that was that was key i love that because otherwise you're arm punching yeah Yeah, exactly exactly you see a lot of kickboxers arm punch like that right sometimes you want arm punch like you want to vary it up but if you want to sit on your punches Mm -hmm. you got to transfer your weight right yeah because that's what gives you the power now manny what talk to us a little bit about the transition from athlete to coach for you Mm. Mm. what was that like that experience Mm. Don't even really realize it happened because I, I mean, you know, after the Olympics, I sort of, I went to school, I went to university, got a teaching degree. So I was coaching a little bit. And then what sort of brought me back was in 1991, there's this thing called the BC Toughman Competition. And uh, so I watched it in Vancouver. There was eight cities. And then, so whoever won out of those eight cities in BC, would go on to the finals for 10 What was grand. it called? The Tough Man BC, Competition? It's a BC Tough Man Competition. And what was it like a Royal Rumble style? Uh, What's going on? Well, Explain this to me. Well, all it was was it was basically boxing, which they said you're allowed to use your elbows. It was kind of, it was before UFC. Open weight class, kind of like early yeah. UFC. Really? Yeah. Go so BC. So then, well, there's two weight classes, like one under 180 and over 180. Big guys yeah. and small guys. So, <laughs> 
So I watched it in Vancouver, and I said, oh, I know I can beat these 180-pounders. And that was, at that time, maybe 160. So um, I said, oh, can I go somewhere like Nanaimo or something to qualify? Mm. And they said, yes, as long as you haven't fought pro, you're allowed to enter. So I entered, and... And that was in 1991, and I ended up winning. And no um, and then I tried to make, go for the 92 Olympic team, mm -hmm. but then they wouldn't let me box because they said, you made money, you're a pro, you can't box. Yeah. So ah. got sort of eliminated from that. But So that's why I ended up boxing. Because by this time, I had finished my degree in education at UBC, and I was sort of substitute teaching. But mm -hmm. then I started boxing again. I started... Um, yeah, and then I started boxing pro because Jerry Jago had some shows. I went on his shows, and then I started boxing in the U.S., and then eventually I moved to Las Vegas in 1997 mm -hmm. until 2000 and had a go of it and satisfied what I wanted to do and then um, just stepped away, and then in 2004 started the North Bernie Boxing Club. Mm -hmm. and so I was always coaching a little bit. I mean, George Angel Mass always allowed me back into the story and then he also what he called it the Fraser Arms he had the gym at the Fraser Arms then he, he had then BBC gym and then he helped me start the North Marine Box come 2004 oh, okay. so what was that like getting your you know your first class in that mm. in that new role in that space was that like no you? I enjoyed it you oh. know because that was part of my life too like I I went into teaching because Originally, I was going to go into maybe get a criminology degree, maybe go into law or something. But in 1988, I met a guy named Dan um, named Dan Steen. He was mm -hmm. a decathlete, and his dad's name was Don Steen. So Don was a, ended up being a counselor at Burnaby Central. So mm -hmm. got introduced to his dad, and his dad kind of said, yeah, why don't you come see me at Burnaby Central? And I went and saw him, and mm -hmm. that was just something I'd. I could do and hmm. helping kids and stuff. And mm -hmm. so then, you know, the credits that I had from Cap College were good. And then I went to Douglas College and did phys ed. So I did phys ed one year. So then I was mm -hmm. able to transfer UBC into third year. And so just things happen. Like, yeah. again, like walking into a, a gym that mm -hmm. I didn't even know was a boxing gym and I was just going to work out and lift weights. Yeah. You know, Fast forward you just too. try different things, right? Like, if you try different things, you never know what's going to gravitate to you. That's really been my life, and and so when you um, when you're fighting professional, mm -hmm. you're also going to school. Well, sir, what happened? <laughs> what happened is I I wasn't not at the beginning to get my bachelor degree because after you after the Yale Olympics, I kind of yeah. I had to decide what I was going to do. So I said, oh, I just, I'll get a degree and then maybe I'll try. I, mm -hmm. Always in the back of my mind, right? But I was yeah. going by the gyms with George and helping George coach a little bit even because mm -hmm. you were saying about how to transfer coaching and stuff. So yeah. I was helping coaching and and I, but, and I was just hanging around, right? Like mm -hmm. a gym rat sort of in a way, but only going maybe once or twice a week depending on how much mm -hmm. stuff I had to do for school. And then um, that tough man competition came by and I said, oh, I can make some money to pay some bills and mm -hmm. did that. And then, um, and I wasn't able to box amateurs. So then Gianco had some shows and he said, you can box on this show, that show, that show. And I said, yeah, sure. And then opportunity came in with a guy named Benny Giorgino boxing at a casino down in, the, uh, in Lucky Washington. Eagle. Lucky Eagle, yeah. yeah. And uh, Benny was really good to me. And Benny Giorgino, I got really fortunate, was mm -hmm. Benny was, he had world champions. Like, uh, 
guy named Danny Little Red Lopez, Jaime Ayala, I think his name was, or Michael Ayala. And, um, you know, like we were walking through Caesar's Palace one day, and then all I hear is, Benny! <laughs> and who is it? Don King. No. no so we had lunch way. with Don King. Wow. Wicked. And Benny and Don King were really good yeah. friends. Don, because, Don King knows all the matchmakers. Huh? Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, Benny was, he knew a lot about boxing, that guy. Like, mm. he was, you know, man, he, that guy just, you would have used his job, he would have won. And, and yeah. he knew a lot about boxing. He knew a lot of the boxing people. And he was from Riverside, California, and a lot right. of tough Mexicans. And mm. For Roberto Garcia's, uh, Robert yeah, Garcia's Robert gym. Garcia's yeah. gym, yeah. And um, but Benny knew everybody in boxing. I got to meet a lot of good people through yeah. Benny, and I got, you know, I was training at the at the top ranked gym because of Benny. Mm -hmm. He wow. got took me to Nevada Partners and got me set up sort yeah. of in Vegas when I moved to Vegas. And um, but unfortunately, a lot because even going back, like I used to re read the Ring magazine, and there's a guy named Hank Kaplan that used to write in the Ring magazine. Mm -hmm. And he also, Hank Kapp was one of the greatest uh, historians of boxing, mm -hmm. and he lived in Florida. And he was Muhammad Ali's agent, like a okay. writing agent or whatever. Like, um, he worked with Angelo Dundee and doing all the press releases for Muhammad Ali and stuff. So I remember writing to Hank Kaplan in like 1985 or 86 mm -hmm. about Roberto Duran, and he wrote right. me back. Oh, no way. So I became friends with him, and I said, yeah. oh, I want to come and train in Miami. Is there any way I, you can help me? And Sure enough, in 1987, I went and trained in Miami. I trained at the 5th Street Gym. Yeah, ah, cool. Trained at the yeah. different gyms yeah. there, and mm -hmm. I got the spar with Roberto Duran at a place called the Corona. No way. Yeah. Okay, that was my question. I, I knew about like, Mayweather, but I didn't yeah. know about Roberto Duran. No yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, the hurricane or something. What was that thing? 1988. Wow. So what were you writing about Duran to... To Hank? To Hank. Nothing, just... I remember there was some sort of article or picture that you had, and how did you get that picture? Oh, wow. Did, who, is he around there? And, and at that time, writing it, you had no idea that in a matter yeah, of time, you'd be... Oh, wow, yeah. incredible. Crazy. So let's go back to Vegas mm -hmm. in the 70s. Chest hair, shirts down, big crosses, <sighs> yeah. Tom Jones. I wasn't around in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of questions about your, your Vegas experience. I knew yeah, you trained with uh, Eddie, Futch, Eddie Futch, legendary trainer, team, yeah. Angelo Dundee. At, uh, well, Angelo was in Miami. Yeah. But um, with Eddie, Eddie was at the, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Steel. Richard, Richard Steele's Steel. gym yeah. called Nevada Partners, okay. which was near the university. And um, there's so many good trainers there. Like mm -hmm. Jesse Reed trained people out of there. Yeah. Like they had... They had Eddie Mustafa. Eddie Mustafa trained yeah. out of there. There's two or three boxing rings in that gym. I think there's three wow. three rings in that gym. It was a massive gym, and mm -hmm. um, everyone came through there, man. Yeah, <laughs> and, so cool. was, and then so, I do, do you have any uh, kind mm -hmm. of stories like like gym wars going on yeah. there? No, there wasn't really any gym wars yeah. that I can remember. Like everyone was really respectful of each other, and yeah, yeah there was the odd time like f this, f that, and mm -hmm. Roger Mayweather liked to beak a lot, and, <laughs> and Roger was like I got to spar with him a few times too because he he I think his last fight may have been in ninety eight or mm -hmm. ninety nine or something like that because yeah. I remember he was boxing and I got to spar with him and and he was sort of like a Tony Pep. He could really punch with the right hand and yeah. and. One day I did get to spar with Floyd too. So yeah, I mean, what was that tell like? us about yeah. that. Yeah, but 
I mean, that's what I said is that distance. Mm. It's all mm-hmm. distance. Like it looks like you can hit him, but you can't because yeah. he knows his distance. He knows he can just pull here and he's gone. Yeah. And, you know, he developed that over time too because if you looked at him in his earlier fights, he was always an aggressor, whereas near the end he was saying, well, yeah. screw this, I'm not going to get hit. Yeah, he used right? to knock everybody out yeah. when he was a pretty boy, right? Yeah, when he was 130. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, he did develop and change because he saw his uncle, I believe that what happened is like he saw his uncle get so bad because of the Parkinson's yeah. syndrome right. and then even his dad, senior, he... He wasn't all there. The mm-hmm. only guy that was sort of there was Jeff, right? Yeah. Jeff and Jeff never got hit as much, so I'm sure right. Floyd yeah. sort of put all that together yeah. and said, "Well, shit, man, mm-hmm. you know what good is it going to be me if I got millions of dollars and if I can't yeah. talk like yeah, Roger, fair. right? Because I mean, near then Roger was just sitting in the corner of the gym, just oh, vegetative, man. right? Yeah. yeah, it was bad. Yeah, because you know Floyd was good to him and he let him stay around the Floyd gym and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Roxanne can be really rough, man, if you mm. don't take yeah. care of yourself. And, and it affects everyone differently. This, uh, like, uh, C- what are CTE, the, CTES, yeah. mm-hmm. chronic traumatic pathology. It affects everyone differently. Like, even mm. in hockey, some hockey players take one or bat, two bad hits and they're done, some yeah. don't. And, and I'm fortunate to be part of a study through the Cleveland Medical Clinic that I've been going down for. Sick. Well, because of COVID, I hadn't gone down for two years, but I did go last year and I'm going again this year in oh, wow. March. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, a, it's a longitudinal study to find out why it is that some people are affected by concussion and some aren't. Yeah. So they have boxers that obviously, I think the criteria is you've had to have 20 or 25 pro fights. And if that happens, they basically say, okay, if you've had that many pro fights in the gym wars that you've been into and the mm-hmm. boxing matches yeah. you've been into, you got to have Let's suffered some concussion. assume that yeah. there's something concussion. Yeah, yeah. worth yeah. measuring. So what kind of tests and studies are they doing? So what they do is they give us an MRI, they give us uh, some testing on like things on a wall, and then you got to press buttons. Right, right. Different reactionary things. They draw blood because they th- they're thinking there might it might be genetically blood. Maybe a biomarker that yeah, kind biomarker of indicates that, yeah. whether. Well, okay. that's what they're trying to find out so they yeah. can take blood out of a 10-year-old and find out. that's interested in playing football and say, no, football's not wow. for you. Wow, okay, this crazy. is interesting. Yeah. Okay, so, okay, let's 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 fast forward. Like, you, you, have, a, you have a daughter. Mm-hmm. Let's say they mm-hmm. did a, a test. They discovered she had a biomarker for something, but she said, Daddy, I want a box. What, how, what would you do? Um, you know, it's tough because you can always try and tell them what to do. You know, I think it's the important thing is just to educate them mm. and let them make their own decision, mm. you know. and So even if you knew that, you'd say, okay, if you want to do it. Yeah, well, you know what? Um, my wife and her are hard-headed, <laughs> so they're going to do it anyways. So mm-hmm. I might yeah. as well just support them in whatever they want to do, but let make sure they understand the repercussions, the, the consequences, yeah. and, and the risk. And, uh, you know go in with an informed decision. Yeah, because I, I think that's so interesting, right? Like, if yeah. you knew in advance, would it stop you from having those experiences? Like, I, I don't think it would for me either. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like, boxing, jujitsu, all the things that yeah. I've done in sport. I'm like, I don't think... Well, that's what they asked Muhammad Ali when he was mm-hmm. near... Knowing what you know no, now, yeah. would, would you... you have done it? He said, 100%. Yeah. yeah. There's no right? way I would have changed anything. Yeah, like, look yeah. at the legacy yeah. involved in that decision. I mean... Mm-hmm. The it's risk reward though, isn't it? Because you know, yeah, at the exactly. end of the day, when you, when you are that person that's you know really really suffering with it, like, mm-hmm. and how many people are going to be do what Muhammad Ali did, right? Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. 
exactly. and be able to live off your life with that legacy. And also, that's what the crazy thing about boxing too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like even when I saw Duran down in Miami, like he didn't really have any money. He was still yeah. fighting because he needed money. There weren't. He was a party animal though. Yeah, our Roberto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. You know, every time yeah. he went back to the motherland, yeah. it was yeah. like parades yeah. and yeah. strippers and all yeah. sorts. Yeah, and he was spending all the time. Yeah, and, yeah. big old steak dinners. Yeah. But what I learned from that too is that it, it doesn't matter how great you are. People don't, they're not going to pay you after the fact. You're only mm-hmm. as good as your last yeah. match, right? So, right. I don't know. Do you think a lot so of boxers struggle with that concept when it ter- when we're kind of talking about the idea of not knowing when to quit? They get caught in like the, the relevance and the glory? Oh, in a lot of things because it's their paycheck and mm-hmm. they're riding high like i mean i i never actually feel, or saw it but i i've read about it and heard about it and i ran barkley after he fought and he'd make whatever 250 300 dollars which is a lot of money yeah. you'd see him at the freaking uh table crap tables and the yeah. mm-hmm. playing for ten ten thousand dollars a hand twenty thousand dollars right. a hand that goes quick yeah, yeah. real quick right? especially if you're not very good at crap that, that, yeah. that's the thing too is like a lot of these fighters that have fought an elite level have made mm. a lot of money, but they just don't know how to manage it, mm. you know, mm. and, and invest into things. Yeah. They just spend it all, right? Or they get taken. Yeah. I mean, that too, yeah. look at the corruption. Usain Bolt. I, I just heard, yeah. I read something yeah, about really like mm-hmm. $14 million or, dollars yeah. or something went missing. Yeah. It's crazy. Or I even, think, yeah. yeah it's, it's can happen to anybody, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think there's either like, you know, the corruption and the manipulation, or there is yeah. this idea that oftentimes they're, they've come from nothing. Yeah. And all of a sudden you have like enough money to yeah. buy a Bugatti. Like, what are yeah. you doing? Like you yeah. have no, and you're 24 or mm. something. Like you're making bad choices regardless. It's mm. How important do you think it is that for a boxer to have someone in their, let's say theoretical corner, maybe not their like technical corner mm-hmm. that helps them kind of manage that fame and that money? I think it's very important. I mean, and I think that's what, again, what Floyd had, right? Because his, his uncles went through it and they knew how they'd been taken. So I'm sure mm. they were sort of like... Floyd Sr.'s no dummy, you know, yeah. like he's a pretty sharp guy and uh, I'm sure he learned a lot of lessons. Yeah, like not that, and Floyd's smart enough to figure it out. Yeah. So yeah. You got sure, to learn from their mistakes. I think so. Yeah. I think yeah. so. That's what makes him and he's very fortunate that way. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, and who, who do you trust really? Like when, when you start getting that day, kind of coin yeah, yeah. too, yeah. right? People yeah. are coming around. Who do you trust? I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's it's very um, because people come out of the woodwork, and yeah, it's really sure. hard. To for sure. Figure out. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I'm your no, second no, cousin. I swear to yeah. God, you don't remember <laughs> me? Yeah. Let's get. A they all want to join the entourage, <laughs> yeah. you know, and just yeah. be a part of the the whole buzz, right? And then when the buzz is gone, they're, then yeah. they're gone. Then they're yeah, gone. Yeah. Gone, yeah. yeah. Manny, did you ever uh, did you ever personally struggle with kind of like moving out of pro? you know, sort of leaving that life behind, the identity around it. Did that ever be something that you you struggled with? No, it didn't, didn't affect me because, well, maybe it did, but I always always had something to go to. And, I mean, I, I'm very fortunate that I had that degree. And while I was in Vegas, believe it or not, I did a master's degree at UNLV in counseling. And so uh-huh. even when I finished and I came back to Vancouver and, you know, I started looking for work in the mm-hmm. teaching field more mm-hmm. counseling wise and I was able to find some work that I liked and and um I was very fortunate, right? Yeah. And but you didn't put that, all your eggs in that no. basket. No, and then some people do and it works, some people don't. But even if it does work, 
what are you going to do when you're done? Like mm. you got to have something yeah. that, that stimulates your brain somehow. Or, because sure. even when you're done doing what you're great at, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to do it all your life. Yeah. yeah. And unless you're Warren Buffett and he's like 90 years old or whatever, he's still <laughs> investing. But yeah. yeah. I, or like even Michael Buffer. Like if you just, yeah, have, yeah, I mean, yeah. Bruce Buffer, Michael Buffer. Yeah, he's my yeah, hero. Yeah. yeah. But I heard he's got something wrong with his throat. Oh, Michael no. Yeah, I, I think he had some type of cancer. Uh, yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. Like before. And oh, uh, they got rid of it. Oh, wow. Okay. And here he is yeah. still, still yeah. doing it with a bow tie. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. And that's an incredible story too, because the story I heard and. I did. I took a promoter course that they had, and uh, I forget the guy's name. It was a promoter in California that was doing it. And anyway, he invited me down, and then I got to do this thing. And then he had Michael, or yeah, Michael Buffer as a guest, and he told us the story about how him and his kid were sitting, listening to boxing, and then they said, okay. And he was in Vegas, and they're going to have a competition about who can be the best ring announcer. And he joined that competition. He won. No way. By wow. doing Let's I get didn't ready know that. Rumble. Did you? No, I had no idea. Yeah, Crazy. he just went in there and he had Let's yeah. get ready to rumble. So the last, the lesson I'm taking away from today wow. is we just all need to move to Vegas, and yeah. then. or you just never know Land what's going to happen. Yeah. You just never know what's going to happen unless you yeah. try things. Yeah. yeah, and that's had Michael Buffer not tried that, then he would never have been Michael Buffer that um, he is of today. Real, and then had had Michael Buffer not been Michael Buffer, then Bruce Buffer would have never yeah. found Michael Buffer. That's right. Yeah. Oh my God, Isn't that crazy. That's yeah. so wild. The world right? changes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Manny, I have a question for you kind mm-hmm. of about, I think it's really cool and that you're also a teacher. Mm-hmm. How important is having teaching as a, as a tool and as a background when it comes to coaching? Because sometimes mm-hmm. I, I, I see that coaches aren't necessarily great teachers. Mm-hmm. And I, I do believe there's a difference. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that teaching has taught me is that everyone learns differently, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. you can teach a kid how to subtract, how to add, but one kid will understand one way, another kid. So I think that's an important aspect that not everyone's going to do the job the same. And I, at the beginning, I try to teach everyone to turn it over and make sure your chin's stuck. But then as you progress, if they do it a little differently, well, that's their way. And they're hmm. going to figure out if they're going to get caught. If it right works or not. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, and they might adjust to make it work. So then that's yeah. coming from themselves. So they're fixing it. But you just tell them, but I think what Dan was saying is to have the balance to mm-hmm. start with. And if mm-hmm. you can have those basic structures, then they're going to be able to develop themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. What do you yeah. think the hallmark qualities of a good coach are? I think that's pretty much it. Like, I mean, I turned that with Angelo Dundee and like, he can break things down. Like I remember, he told me the man, man. It's just it's the it's the pie theory of boxing. It's you just <laughs> think there's a piece of pie in front of you, and um, and you but you, if there's a pie in front of you, there's a pie in front of your opponent, right? So mm-hmm. if you're standing in your opponent's pie, yeah, you're gonna get hit. Mm-hmm. So get out of that pie. Yeah. And then I sort of visualize it from above, like he says, mm-hmm. and then. Mm. That's what lateral movement does. It gets you yeah. out of the pie or you it's, move back. But if you move back, it's easier yeah. to get hit. Interesting. It's funny mm-hmm. you say that because mm-hmm. I, was, I was watching some of your fights last night. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like your approach. You know, mm-hmm. like it's very methodical. Mm-hmm. And you incorporate the body work a lot too. Mm-hmm. And then you always step off after. Simple. You know, just simple so stuff. Simple. And a lot of fighters don't do that. No, and, simple. you know, they admire their punches. They stay in the pie, like you mm-hmm. said. And yeah. and then they get hit, you know. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then it's just a war after because mm-hmm. it's just back and forth, right? Mm-hmm. And I think in order to get good at boxing, you you have to 
you have to do what you're good at doing. And, mm -hmm. and I, I didn't have the most power. I wasn't the fastest, but by getting out of the way after you punch, you have yeah. an advantage because your opponent has to, has to adjust themselves. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I was fortunate in a lot of ways and I was very, I worked hard. Like, I mean, there's nothing you can do, be good at or do mm -hmm. well at unless you're going to work hard. Like I, I got up in the morning to run mm -hmm. and I learned that very early in my boxing life too, is because my first match I lost mm -hmm. and I just boxed a bigger guy. So yeah. that came back about 20 matches later, I got to rematch him and beat him. Right. <laughs> but what I learned in my third match was that I beat a kid from Maple Ridge and then I had a rematch with him in my fourth match. And I said, well, I beat him in my third match. I'm, I beat him, you know, just a month or two ago. Yeah. I'm going to beat his ass Surely, again, yeah. right? But then I didn't run as much. And mm -hmm. I might have missed a couple boxing things. And I got beat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very important lesson to learn because unless you're at your best, you're not going to do your best. And that's mm. something so important that I think a lot of boxers need to remember is mm -hmm. that hard work will be talent, you know, and it does. a lot of fighters that have talent, you know, they, they go in the gym and, and they can, you know, neutralize the guy mm -hmm. and this and that. But when it comes to an actual fight and mm -hmm. somebody's trained really hard and you haven't really put in that work, it's going to show, you know, the, mm -hmm. the ring always shows the truth, right? Yeah. So, the ultimate equalizer. Yeah. Playing all hard combat work is sport. key, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Fitness and the right fitness is very important. You got to have mm -hmm. the aerobic as well as the anaerobic, be yeah. able to explode and be able to recuperate yeah. on and off, on and off, on Purposeful and off. Purposeful training right? creates yeah. results, yeah. not yeah. just more, 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 more as well. Yeah. So yeah. being able to understand that balance. Yeah. And the more I think about boxing, it's the coach can only do so much. You, mm -hmm. you have to, it has to come from within the boxer, right? Because mm -hmm. if yeah. heart, a lot of the, it's heart and a lot of it's just being able to like discipline, right? Be disciplined to do your own running, yeah. to do mm -hmm. your own push yourself to, to the limits, and also to be able to decipher in your mind, okay, this isn't working, I better do this, mm -hmm. or and be able to do it rather quickly. Yeah. And um, if you can't do it, it's not going to work. <laughs> like yeah. it's yeah. as simple, right? And and not to be so hard on yourself that, okay, it didn't work this time. I'm going to be able to adjust it and do it next time and, mm -hmm. and have that confidence in yourself that you can yeah. get better. And, uh, yeah, like I said, like, yeah. So out of my first four matches, I lost two. I was 50%, right? And then after that, I learned the big lesson that I got to be in shape and run and run harder yeah. than the other person. And when I'm running, I'm thinking, well, they're doing the same as I want to push myself even harder and <laughs> run yeah. hills. So yeah. I started running hills, not knowing mm -hmm. that it's more anaerobic and just doing things. Yeah. And, uh, and, um, yeah, can't complain. I was very fortunate. You know, I had a great mom that cooked well for me. So I was always yes, well fed mom. and stuff. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the moms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the moms out there yeah. cooking all the meals. Very important. Well, Muhammad Ali talks about his mom a lot. How yeah. good she was to him. And, yeah, absolutely. And she brought him to, apparently she brought him to a lot of the training camps to do the cooking. Oh, yeah. no way. Apparently wow. that's what I heard. My yeah. kid. Mm -hmm. um, Manny, who are you working with right now that you're excited about? Um, I'm working with a lot of kids, you know, like mm -hmm. a lot of young kids, like a uh, kid that came with me today, Sebastian. And, Shout uh, out Sebastian. He's just sitting out hanging mm -hmm. out. Yeah. Got some you good know, nods from yeah. Sebastian too. Some nuggets from coach. He's yeah. like, yes. So, you know, I mean, 
I think every kid's important. And, you know, my, I'm going through some transitions too. Like, you know, I was coaching like Robert Cousins, who I mm-hmm. coached from. He was nine years old. It yeah. was, a, I believe, one of my... Like, it wasn't me. Like, Robert had so much ability too, right? But, you know, just by giving him the right... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shout out Robert. Robert yeah. and some, some things. He has a think. Manny style, right? Yeah. Like when you see him fight, sure. you, yeah. you can Very see much that. so. And it's like you don't want to make someone what they're not because yeah. had Angela Dundee done that mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali wouldn't have been who Muhammad Ali is but mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali wouldn't have stuck around with Angela Dundee mm-hmm. he would have been with another dream yeah, um, and you know like all these guys like Eddie Futch and like all those like they're I don't know even kept forgetting their names but all these great trainers like uh, Freddie Roach mm-hmm. like all these guys like they're all sort of teaching the same thing but if they were teaching the same thing to the great talents that come to their gyms, they yeah. would all be world champions and yeah. this and that. But yeah. they're not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of it has to come from the individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And the coach can't transfer that to the individual unless they really want it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, they got to figure it out. They got to watch video. Like I, you know, when I started watching VHS, like I would rewind, watch, yeah. rewind, watch, rewind, watch. And... I had pretty much all of Roberto's matches, and I that's the style that I wanted to be. Like when you watch Ren, you think he's just punching, but half the time he's fainting. Yeah. He's positioning his feet. He's moving around. He steps around. He punches with his right hand, and he gets mm-hmm. off to the angle. Like, mm-hmm. but you got to go slow. You got to slow mow it, and you got to yeah. watch it over and over again to watch what he does. Because when he was younger, he was so fast. Study that on so VHS must have taken yeah. forever. <laughs> took forever. Have you seen the video where he's sparring uh, Connor Ben uh, Senior? Mm. He's just like. Playing with him, like, yeah. wow. just like making him look like nothing. No, I think I probably saw that. Yeah, because yeah. Connor Ben is so slow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's like yeah. you know he's loading mm-hmm. up on his mm-hmm. shots and everything, and yeah. and he's just making him look Durant, foolish. Yeah, and Duran knows what's happening before yeah. it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's what's great about a great fighter is that they do things that make their opponent do mm-hmm. certain things, and that's yeah. what makes Floyd really yeah. great too. Is he'll do things to. And he knows what his opponent's going to do, it's so like he's ready to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. manipulate what's going to happen. And then yeah. if it doesn't happen, then no big deal, I'm out. Mm-hmm. But he's he knows when they're going to throw the right hand because he's given them a little bit of an angle yeah. that they can throw the right hand. So he's waiting for that right hand and yeah. cutting it or whatever. and Setting a trap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, setting traps. And and, and and such a chess match. That's why yeah. Lennox Lewis yeah. likes to play chess so much. Yeah. yeah. Simple. That's the thing. Um, it is like mm. a chess match, mm. you know, and like got to think ahead. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you got to think, and it mm. uh, it just gets deeper and deeper. And that's the thing I love about boxing. You know, the sweet science is yeah. the on that elite level. Mm. It's such a chess match, and mm-hmm. to the casual fan, it might be mm. kind of boring at times. Mm. But it's funny. I was literally just thinking that. I've heard yeah. someone say that before, mm. and and I think like in my opinion, I always thought the casual fan was probably just like either, you know, gladiator style, like yelling at the carnage kind of thing. And then it gets more exciting as you understand the nuances of boxing and when you can read the situation, what's what. It's like anything. It's like jujitsu. Like I didn't like jujitsu at first, but now that, you know, I understand it more. I actually like watching it because, because you see people's vulnerabilities, Mm -hmm. like when they're in certain positions and things like that. So yeah. When you see what works and what doesn't. Yeah. And And there's, and when you understand it too, there's glaring 
mistakes mm-hmm. like you right. can see the mistakes glaring yeah. at you when they've yeah. happened and the consequences yeah. of those mistakes right. so yeah. yeah so i always thought you know i was like oh surely boxing for someone who just doesn't know it's got to be mm-hmm. exciting because it's mm-hmm. like our human draw to like yeah. you know blood and combat and all mm-hmm. that kind of like primal stuff but yeah. maybe i don't know maybe it is boring to the obvious like the you know average person i don't know but boxing has been around for so many years because of her for a reason and that's mm. the reason right because it's yeah. the human Human nature wants to yeah. see it, right? And there's yeah. nothing like it when you're when you're at a big, huge fight. Doesn't even matter if it's in Vegas yeah. or yeah. in Timbuktu. Like <laughs> yeah. it's just a good fight is a yeah, good fight. Yeah, exactly. You know? And people are yeah. freaking just takes everything away from them and yeah. they're just in a different yeah, and world. Half of them right? are looking at these two people like, yeah. how are they doing this? Yeah. I could never step in yeah. there. Like this is this out of body yeah. of like, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, just absolute adm- admiration at the courage. I think that it like takes when, for two people to step between yeah. the ropes. Like when Arturo Gotti and Mickey Ward. Oh, man. oh my God. My favorite yeah. that trilogy was crazy. On that note, Gotti had so many wars though, like like with so many good fighters, like Ivan Robinson. You could like go down uh, that like, YouTube yeah, rabbit hole like, for. I know every every fight was like know. crazy. You know? Yeah, he had that style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Manny, if you could fight anyone from history, yeah. like let's say pro boxer history, who would you want to fight? Box. Um, you know, I've often think about like a Sugar Ray Robinson, right? Because mm. like he went from welterweight to middleweight and. I mean, he was so amazing in the way he, mm-hmm. the angles that he'd throw punches at, and he was nonstop. And yeah, um, yeah, I'd, I'd just be—I'd like to the go goat. back in time and yeah. going after the goat. Well, <laughs> yeah, possibly, but you often think too, like the guys of today, like the Sugary Leonard's, like mm-hmm. he was so explosive mm. and fast oh, and wiry. powerful. Yeah. And yeah. would a Sugary Robinson would? would he have been able to keep up to Sherry Leonard? Like, it's kind of, mm-hmm. I sort of wonder that sometimes. Yeah. And that's why I would like to go back into time to see, because they didn't have the training techniques that they sort of have today. What I'm talking right. about yeah. is like the explosive training, the anaerobic training, the yeah. plyometrics and stuff. They mm-hmm. didn't do it back then. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what would be the difference, right? How cool would like, if AI, you could simulate and like pick... A boxer, and it would simulate. Yeah. Well, they've a tried doing from, that. Have they really? Well, the, not, this isn't a well, my brilliant idea. Well, <laughs> oh. they've done those, like the Rocky mm-hmm. Marciano against Muhammad Ali, and some people have said, "Oh, Marciano would have like I don't." Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no way Marciano would have cool Muhammad Ali. If you could watch that. Yeah, but it's only someone. It's whoever puts the input in. Yeah. We'll get the result. Well, you know I wonder. I wonder. It's like, if it's like you... subjective to a certain yeah. point, you know? Yeah, because even a computer, someone yeah. has to feed that computer that info. Right. Exactly. But this new stuff that I hear about is going to affect education. I forget what it's called, but you can just get someone to write an, a, uh, an essay for you, like on whatever, like oh history God. or whatever, and they can spit out a, in three seconds. Right. Yeah. You just input the information that it needs to have, and then it spits it out, and apparently it's. These essays are as good as some scholars write. Wow. That's what's amazing about this world. Like who's to know what it's gonna be like? Like is that gonna is that gonna put humans in a back like back them up because we're our brains might not be able mm-hmm. to work as quick as a computer can and take all yeah. that information and and and, and, like and figure it out, and process and, it all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Some stuff comes out and I'm just like, man, the future terrifying yeah. like it's i'm like scary. i don't know if i belong there like yeah. i i don't know even from the 90s to now right. like yeah. it's huge i guess i guess we're that old hey yeah. we are, we're all <laughs> dating ourselves hard people right? are like oh, the yeah. 90s that Remember was so MySpace? long ago 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, that Mind was space. pretty cutting edge mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, it's it's crazy, but I, I I just I do think it would be so cool if you could throw in like you know like let's say you take Sh- Sugar Ray uh, yeah, Robinson. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you and you were mm-hmm. able to input all of his fights so that yeah, the the yeah. AI could, could map out his movement patterns yeah. and blah blah blah. And then you do that with Sugar Ray Leonard, yeah. map out all his movement patterns, and you watch that <laughs> virtual fight. Like, how cool would that be, though? The thing is, you you can't, um, you know, the chess match part of it. You can't. You would be missing the the true like for especially for boxing fans. You'd be missing you don't know what moves they would actually make in that moment. And the and the way I say that is because Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns, you didn't put their information. Yeah. But who was to know that? Marvelous Marvel would be able to take the right hands oh, that Hearns man. hit him with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. AI would have said, no, those right hands yeah, exactly. are going to topple anybody. Right. But they didn't topple Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Marvelous um, Marvel, like that yeah. was Those fights amazing. were amazing. Fight. That was yeah. some of my, those yeah. are some of my favorites to watch. Yeah. So you'd fight Sugar Ray Robinson as well, you were. Yeah, I would like to, like I often thought of that. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. you know, see what would happen. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, he was amazing and great, but it would have been great yeah. to be able to step in and try to, get better by yeah. getting seeing what the best would do to you, you know? absolutely yeah, it'll be great so you said you're you're going through some you know transitions what what's oh. next for many then I, i'm pretty i'm such a simple person that i just want to cruise and i i was very fortunate like i said and you know got got my education and you know like in terms of my personal life like i was married Unfortunately, it didn't work out. And you have a you have a kid, right? I have, have a child, yeah, yeah, but not from my ex-wife. Like that's one of the problems in my life. Uh, you know, like I think you know, boxing obviously affects people, and I think I I have a bit of a trigger in a way too. Like sometimes I'm pr- pretty much always pretty low, but sometimes I snap. So mm. if you're with someone twenty four seven or most of the time, then. Mm-hmm. Obviously, maybe I wasn't like I'm not a violent person, but I'll just snap verbally, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's so, half human nature. Yeah, yeah maybe. the person My, that you are I think around I got the, the most. same thing as you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm by so, myself, I mean, so I yell at the wall yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So who knows? I don't mm. know. Maybe that's what happened with X. But then I, yeah. So yeah, I was fortunate to have a child, and I've loved the little guy. He's mm-hmm. he's he lives How old in is he now? he's thirteen. Oh, boxing? Lives, no, he's. Plays soccer. And okay. He lives in England, though, because his mom went to England, and right. so I couldn't really stop that. And uh, she's remarried to a British guy, British guy, and they're in England in a place called Cheshire. Cheshire, okay. yeah. And yeah, so he's playing soccer, and I he comes to see me at Christmas and at summertime, and but he's only been gone for a year, so mm-hmm. I get oh, okay. to see him in a few months, and mm-hmm. in August he's coming. So, you know, he's just about as tall as me now, and he's only wow. 13, and uh, he's a great kid, and, uh, you know, cherish that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, you know, whatever he wants to do, it's up to him, like Daniel's saying. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't force someone to do something. Yeah, if they exactly. want to, you know, you can sort of just encourage. Expose mm-hmm. them to things. Expose them and to them. Yeah. Yeah. He's been to the decide. gym a lot, and he's... Uh, do, you know, do you notice any natural ability um, that he has in it? Oh, well, he knows how to, you know, sort of turn his body, like right. shift the weight and stuff. Yeah. So he knows how to do that. And I think that made him like, he played a bit of baseball before mm-hmm. he left and stuff. And he was actually pretty good at, at hitting the ball. He cracked them pretty good. Awesome. And yeah. So it's the same sort of motion. Mm-hmm. Right. I think yeah. that he got that from just 
being three, four years old and being at the gym and just watching and punching yeah. and using his whole body to punch rather than just the arms. And yeah. You no, know, when it's your own kid, it's so different though. You mm. just, it's yeah. the love there. That's amazing. And, you know, think about him lots, talk to him a lot. It's on, uh, what's that app that I what's use? That? Not WhatsApp. I mm. use, um, what's it called? Uh, it is called Snapchat. Snapchat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wow. Video, yeah. I don't even have Snapchat. No. Nice one, man. <laughs> oh, I didn't either until he told me to get onto it. You're the it, last so. person I thought would be using Snapchat. <laughs> that's only because I can get, I, you know, now, you know, you can get a video on it. Yeah. yeah it's no, great. That's true. It's amazing. You yeah. definitely can. So, um, no, that's fantastic. why I know about Snapchat. And, uh, mm-hmm. oh, really, what's, whatever takes, whatever, whatever the wind takes. And, you know, I'm just, I want to be comfortable. I don't want to have any problems. I, I mean, yeah. Simple. Simple yeah. life is the best life. And stress is shit, amazing. man. Stress, yeah. stress is, is bad. Shit. So, Just like boxing, you yeah. know, like you start off with balance. It's yeah. like life. You have to have yeah. balance, right? Yeah. And I try to remind myself mm-hmm. that a lot. Right? Have balance. Yeah. yeah. Most important thing for anyone, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, even look at real wealthy people like I um, talk about. Um, it's like I mentioned before. Now my mind sees sometimes uh, the the billionaire investor Warren guy, Buffett. Buffett, yeah, Buffett, yeah. Right. like Buffett, like he lives such a simple life. Apparently, he's got the same car he had twenty yeah. years ago and <laughs> That's stuff. So like, cool. yeah. so simple, That's right? So cool. Like he's got that. no one to impress it. He's yeah. got nothing, nothing to, to prove. prove. He's he's on a different level, yeah. boss, yeah. where he doesn't even yeah. have to like show off. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like I yeah. sort of look through people like that and say, right. well. Mm-hmm. Driving a Corolla, but yeah. mad <laughs> the heroes in the bank yeah. account. Yeah. 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 And that's the way sort of I try to live too, is yeah. I don't, I don't want to friggin, mm-hmm. I don't want to have, I don't want to portray something that I can't prove. Yeah. Or that I can't. Did boxing teach you that lesson? No. Did boxing teach me like? Yeah. Or did it solidify like, that idea? Like to stay humble, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta yeah. stay humble because you never know. Like you get, you know, you sparring with someone. Can't that underestimate yeah. Yeah, and life. Yeah, and then you get yeah. clocked, yeah. or you yeah. never know, right? And you're just so you're just a human being like anybody else, really. Mm-hmm. And your your blood is red. It's no different than anyone else's, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. I think boxing does sort of teach you that, to tell yeah. you the truth, because yeah. you know, on any given day, you can get your Ask handed okay. to you, yeah. and, and Floyd did too. Yeah, inspiring against uh, a, a southpaw, tall southpaw that was a world champion. Uh, chop chop Corley, or no, not chop Corley. Corley hurt him though. In yeah, the fight. yeah. yeah. Mm. But this guy was sparring with him at the gym, yeah. and what was his name? Paul, Paul Magli- Paul Paul Williams. No, not Paul oh. Williams. No, Paul- yeah. Paul, there's another, he's a fe- lightweight champion of the world, Paul. Spatafor. Spatafor. Yeah. Wow, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Spatafor yeah. was good, man. Yeah, yeah. And there was video yeah. on it, too. Like, yeah. I wasn't at the wow. gym, but it was around the same time that he, I was He down went there. to jail or something, like, yeah, like for yeah. murder or something. Yeah, he shot yeah. someone at a guy. Wow. His wife yeah. or his girlfriend at the gas station, he's, yeah. you know, like, he never really took that many punches either, but he, there's mm-hmm. got to be something wrong with him. Yeah. Or it could have just been the way he grew up, or who you yeah. never know, who knows? right? There's so many There's factors, many factors oh, yeah. I that think. can affect yeah. certain people, right? Yeah. yeah. So, Manny, um, you know, one thing that I really like and respect about yeah. you is you're like the jack of all trades. You know, yeah. you know all the different angles of the boxing business as a fighter, as a promoter, as a, a cut bit. man, yeah. you know, like podcast host. A <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> little bit, yeah. Yeah. 
so what like you know like one thing that i have a tough time with um from the promoter angle is uh the perception because i I feel like promoters kind of get grouped into this like don king kind of stigma right and and it's understandable to a degree Mm -hmm. because you hear about these stories all the Mm -hmm. times of fighters getting taken advantage of um but it's hard to to escape that you know everybody thinks that you're just living this crazy life making all this money and stuff but good luck the reality of the boxing (laughs) business is so tough right and um you as a promoter like Mm. how did you find it uh when you're promoting it was like that like i mean i was just doing it on the side of the side of my desk sort of thing i was teaching and coaching and doing different things but it was very difficult because you know you get you got nine, eight matches, six matches, let's say, mm-hmm. but every single athlete is like a team. So you got like 12 or 16 teams, yeah, hockey teams to, to take with. care of. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you're taking care of that and it's so difficult to do. Right. And then mm-hmm. you don't, you're not like at a Bob Arum stage where you got you know, TV contracts where you can yeah. pay other people to do the job that you have to do, which yeah. is matchmaking and make sure that's running well and everything. And yeah. you got so many other jobs you got to do. It's very hard to do it all. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's, it's one of those things. And then to get the people to come out to, to, to support the shows, that's another thing. You got to yeah. do so mm-hmm. many things. There's so yeah. many things that you're playing with. And so much risk. And you know, like, huge risk. Like, if like you don't have a secure, yeah. like, you know, I mean, we were doing it at the River Rock, but the River mm. Rock wasn't giving us a site fee or nothing, which they may, sh- well, could yeah. have when it was early in the day, but mm. they were giving us a decent deal on it and stuff. Mm. But even then, I'm sure it yeah, was still very it was challenging. Tough to, it was challenging yeah. to, to make a to make it break even even, right? Yeah. Because, you know, as soon as one of the boxers starts doing well, then they think they're, <laughs> they got it, they got it all. So you got to start yeah. paying, but it doesn't work that way. Cause you can go anywhere else in the world. They're not going to give you a penny. They're going to exactly. use yeah. you as an opponent, yeah. but you won't. Yeah. That, that, you that's a thing that, um, you know, somebody kind of taught me when I was getting into the professional side mm-hmm. and they just always talked about, you know, like it's like an ocean full of sharks. And I was like, you know, I was like, no, nah, it's not going to be that mm-hmm. hard. I just slap fights together. But mm-hmm. you learn that, you know, everybody has their own motives. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard because you're dealing with so many different personalities. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and I think that's one of the reasons why there isn't professional boxing here consistently because mm-hmm. of, of all the challenges that you face, the obstacles, mm-hmm. the personalities, people like other promoters, like everybody trying to get a piece of what you're yeah. doing or they're jealous of what you're doing and they're trying to squash it before it no, ever takes off. You know, so it's just um, instead of actually supporting each other, I, I feel like there's a lot of like hater mentality out there. You know, yeah, everyone's trying to everyone's trying to cut everyone else down. It's yeah. a simple thing, but and then you end up with nothing. Yeah, you, know? you end up with yeah. nothing, and that's historically how it's been. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, 1983, a guy named Butch Lewis came to Vancouver to do a show and. Brought Michael Spinks. He was Michael Spinks' promoter. Michael Spinks fought a guy named Oscar River De Nera at the Pacific Coliseum. And I think it was 1983 or 82. And um, 
they came that once because they were thinking, oh, yeah. Oscar can... Bonavena? No, Oscar Riva De Niro. Oh, okay, different yeah, guy. Oscar yeah. Bonavena was the heavyweight that yeah. fought Muhammad Ali. But this guy was from Peru, I believe. Oh, okay. South America. But, yeah. Um, Michael Spinks won. I think he stopped him in the 11th round. But, again, Michael Spinks trained at the inner city gym, and I got to meet Michael wow. Spinks. So crazy, man. I was very fortunate, like I said. And... Um, but in terms of promoting, everyone thinks it's so easy. Oh, if he can do it, I can do it. And mm-hmm. they try to do this and that, and they screw They're everything up. They're one and up. done. You yeah, know, like yeah. A lot of they, times. But the problem is they screw everything up, and then they think yeah. they they pawn that off on on Dan. Well, Dan screwed it up. Mm-hmm. Was, oh, yeah, nothing to do with that. It was mm-hmm. it was that other show. So then they, yeah. they they say I'm not going to another boxing show because the last one I went to was. Goddamn horrible. (laughs) So, but that had nothing to do with it. Well, yeah, yeah, but it doesn't matter because I'm not going to even, I'm not even, I'm not going to, you know, they're not going to pay 50 Mm -hmm. bucks to go see something that Mm -hmm. the last time they went was useless and terrible Mm -hmm. and all the fights, none of them happened that were supposed to happen. And there's 20 minutes, 30 minutes in between every match. Mm -hmm. And I was waiting. There's more intermission than there was boxing. Yeah. So, you know, that's the problem, part yeah. of the problem, right? Because mm-hmm. like you said, there's people that will come in and say, well, if he can do it, I can do it. But they don't realize the, the, the intricacies that come into it. So yeah. then they screw up the big show. So then it's another year or two before anyone else will go back to boxing. And yeah. if yeah. the person that was doing the shows, it automatically rubs off on them. Absolutely. Because it trickles down to everybody exactly. else. Yeah. Yeah, there's and so many so many variables, you yeah. know, like, and and everything has to be, Perfect, mm-hmm. almost. You know, yeah. for yeah. for it to to go uh, through. Well, it's not just the boxing; it's the it's knowing entertainment, yeah. the yeah. entertainment side of it, exactly. so orchestrating yeah. the yeah. entire experience yeah. from the way it looks, the, music, the way it smells, the way everything. it feels. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and even coming down to the fights, you know, because mm-hmm. I find in Canada, we're so used to seeing this A side versus B side, mm-hmm. you know, beat down where yeah. you know the outcome before you even watch it. That's you right. know, so mm-hmm. one thing I'm trying to do here is really. Um, Make good you know, fights. our team, yeah. what we're trying yeah. to do here is make good fights, 50-50 fights, yeah. right? Or close to that, yeah. right? And, yeah. and and then you get better, you develop. Exactly. Right? And that's what Benny Giorgino did at the Lucky mm-hmm. Eagle. It was a simple little place, but guys like Lupe Aquino, former world champion, fought there. Uh, Michael Dokes fought there. He had those old guys, but then he put them in tough too, right? So they yeah. had to really fight. And, yeah. And, like uh, not every fight has to be no, tough. No, it doesn't. But, but you yeah. want to have someone there that can actually hold their own. You yeah. don't want to have someone that's just going to fall over. Lay right? down, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it makes it very difficult, though, because like that's what I see happens is if you do it, then everyone else says, well, that's easy. I can do yeah. that, what he does. And then they mess it up, and then it reflects bad on the person that mm-hmm. was building it up, right? Yeah. And, yeah. But you can't. We live in a democratic society, so whatever people want to do, they got to do. But it's yeah. unfortunate that people. Yeah, aren't able to understand that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that's not their. That's not that show. But the problem with that is there's only so many boxing fans, and yeah. they're sort of hungry yeah. for it sometimes. Yeah. That, so. That's the other big yeah. uh, issue. You know, like with BC, I find mm-hmm. is the infrastructure. Like, I feel like um, whoever the promoter is, mm-hmm. they have to like not only promote the show and do all that, but mm-hmm. they have to get the commission on board media support yeah. you know like Very like different. i don't know why in bc they kind of look at it like with Second this hand. like yeah mm. like you're a criminal or something <laughs> if you do professional boxing mm. yeah so it it's does. um to get the support it's very difficult yeah yeah, yeah it is yeah. yeah but once you get something that's good everyone's gonna want to love it mm. that's true. and then i think what happens i think that 
and this is what I try to do with the river rock is you got to build the, you got to build something that people want, but then you always run into the problem that that thing that you're building is going to bail out. You know what I'm yeah, saying? You got to exactly. sort of lock up, but then you don't yeah. want to lock them up for 10 years because then they think yeah. you're the criminal that's going to take their life. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. such a fine balance. It, you know? It's like a double-edged sword because when you also, yeah. when you lock them down, yeah. like their fights become more expensive, right? And they get into the eight round, 10 know, round, know. you know, and you then titles come and you got to pay sanctioning for fees to come in. And stuff yeah. And all that kind of stuff. It's so difficult. it's like becomes a bill at the same time. Right. Yeah, yeah, somehow you got to make it enticing to for them, and mm-hmm. uh, somehow you got to. Yeah, it's it's not an easy thing, and boxing is a difficult thing because, as you know, like with all these fights that you see about Tank Davis, Ray Ryan, yeah. Uh, yeah. Garcia, and yeah. everything, like sometimes they come through, but a lot of times they don't. Yeah, like Spence Crawford. Yeah, you but know, it's not going to yeah. happen oh, because they're two separating things. Yeah, yeah. they're much higher altitude but mm-hmm. similar to what's going on right here right yeah i think the ultimate goal is you know just get it at first when you start something it's like mm-hmm. you know people won't pick up your phone the, you know the phone mm-hmm. when you call yeah yeah and eventually they're calling you yeah. you know and that yeah. that's but i think if you, you have that get to. if you have that then result you want is you want competitive matches if you have that it's exactly. gonna people are gonna yeah. want to come out and yeah. support it right yeah, yeah. There's a, like excitement and, yeah. and the production level too, right? Yeah. The, like yeah. if you mesh those two. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's going to work. Yeah. Because it's entertainment, like you yeah. said. Yeah. And speaking of, we've got a show coming up. March 25th. Yep. At? Grand Valley Casino, yeah. Burnaby. Great. That'll be our, our last one there for a minute. Yeah. I know, really I know we keep saying that, but <laughs> it's hard to get the right venue, you know? Especially like, when you end yeah. up getting real comfortable with a room. Like, yeah. You, yeah. you know the feel, you know the flow. Yeah. 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 But we're really looking forward to that. And uh it was also such a pleasure to have you on the show. And yeah, I mean, what a what a wealth of of knowledge <laughs> and experience and great stories. Could talk to you all day. And yeah, absolutely. So uh we'll definitely have to have you back on the show um yeah, again. For sure. That would be awesome. For sure. And we'll thanks. dive a little bit deeper into some of that memory lane. Awesome, I think that'd be yeah. great. So thanks for co-hosting with me. Yeah, no, I had a fun time. Excellent. Thanks for being here, man. Awesome. Thanks awesome. for inviting me. Absolutely. Thanks, awesome. Danny. Anytime. That was another episode of the Empire Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Jana, and my co-host, Daniel Norman, and our special guest, Manny Sabral. We will see you next time. Subscribe to our YouTube for more. Boxing fans, we have another event just around the corner. The takeover to the uprising is just a couple months away. March 25th, we will see you back at the Grand Villa Casino in Burnaby. Check out our website, empireboxing.live, and head there to get your tickets today. Make sure to listen, follow, and subscribe to Empire Boxing on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube.